Hey, what's happening, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with a Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. So, on today's live stream, I welcome back Jim Graham, who you may know as Telegram on Instagram and YouTube. What's up, Jim, man? Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Keith. It's awesome to be back. It's been a minute. And this is fun, so I'm looking forward to this evening. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of folks coming into the stream. I see a lot of familiar uh, uh, people out there. Great bearded reef. Thanks, Paul, again for being the uh, moderator. Oh, Yoki, man, Moki, thanks for the uh, super chat, dude. Really appreciate it. Right off the bat, Moki comes through. Um, <laughs> so, all right, a lot of you folks know um, Jim, and uh, he does his own live stream on YouTube and has a very large following on. Instagram, nearly 6,000 followers. Almost. Yeah, right? Yep, almost. And you've been in the hobby for about nine years. Is that accurate? About nine. It is. All right. So Jim likes to take stuff apart, equipment, and to study the build quality and to better understand how things function. He is, yep. um, he has operated on a number of products from GHL, Neptune, and other manufacturers, right? And uh, the data that he gets from his tests have yielded some um, yielded some very unique and unbiased insights. Is that an accurate uh, statement there, Jim? I suppose it's accurate enough. I have my preference, you know that, um, but I do have as many devices as I possibly can. I do have all the controllers, and you know they all they all they all have their place. Yep, yep. Um, a couple of more facts about um, Jim, in case you uh, don't know. He is retired Air Force. Thank you for your service there, uh, Jim. Uh, formerly Thanks, assigned to the KC-135 Aerial Refueler, the B-2 Stealth mm -hmm. Bomber, and the YAL-1A Airborne Laser. Pew, pew. Yep. <laughs> Additionally. That was a chemical oxygen. What's that? Go ahead, man. That's a chemical oxygen. I, they chopped that plane up, unfortunately, and a whole lot of people were pissed. They uh, they claimed it was it was due to toxicity, uh, but I'll buy that. But it was a chemical oxygen iodine laser built into a 747 uh, with six laser modules, each about the size of a Suburban, turned up on its nose. And if uh, if a missile, a ballistic missile, was shot out of New York City, I'm in I'm uh, near Washington D.C. So if a, if a ballistic went out of New York in the boost phase, ABL flying around at 40,000, 50,000 feet would be able to target it, identify, hit it, blow it up, and all the bad pieces would land back down on New York. No offense, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but that's what that thing was capable of doing. That was a long time ago. That was 2010, I think, somewhere around there where it did its last shoot down, 10 or 11 and then that thing's gone. So who knows where that technology went? But it was a cool program to be on. Wow, dude, that is uh, pretty serious stuff. I can't even wrap my head around that that stuff. Um, so what's what's Moki saying here? I see what's in the background. I don't I don't think he's talking about me. What what's behind you, dude? Air Force stuff. I, Air Force like stuff. When, Ch when Chuck Yeager reenlisted me, because that was cool. He reenlisted um, you, Chuck Yeager. Yeah, he told. Yeah, I totally did. Whoa. He was out doing a, a discussion near the where the B-29 pit is, so where they would drive the B-29 over the Bell X-1 to pick it up. That pit was in the parking lot of where I worked, where I supported the B-2 and the ABL. Um, and he was out one day, and the base set up this dedication. And uh, my dad flew out. We had a thing. I re-enlisted, flew an F-16 the next day in the back seat, and it was a whole thing. It was an enjoyable weekend. 
Dude, maybe we should just talk about your uh, your your military <laughs> background. It's pretty fascinating stuff. No, we're on the wrong stream for that. It's all pure. It's no, no. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> it's all pure luck, though. I've been so lucky to be in the right place at the right time. For sure. All right. Um, so before we get into the uh, discussion here, I just want to thank the uh, sponsors for the live stream: Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Really appreciate them supporting the uh, the stream and the show. And I also really appreciate all you folks tuning in. And as per usual, we um, would encourage you to drop some comments in the chat and questions. Questions yep. are always encouraged. It's great to have an interactive uh, program here. So, do how's it going with the uh, with the tanks? C can you get, kind of give everybody a little, um, you know, uh, overview reminder in terms of what you have in terms of your setup? Yeah, I can. And first, I'm super tank envious because you have you're you're on this very clean tank and uh, journey, <laughs> and I'm super envious of that. Um, I have some work to do with mine. I'm bringing in a 93 cube to replace my 45 gallon that I've had for nine years. Yeah. My only upgrade in the last nine years was the addition of a 40 gallon breeder that Moki gave me one day, um, and that's what's in the closet. So I've got the 45 cube, a 40 breeder. Uh, hooked up to a fuge and there's another 5.5 in there that I use to mix when I dose what I dose usually goes into that 5.5 it gets blended up and then gravity feeds down to 40 the 40 gravity feeds down to the shared sump and a pump moves it back and forth so shared water about 100 gallons uh, total and it's a swamp it's nasty and, and why is I that have total why is that? tank uh, clean clean tank envy oh because I'm I'm lazy and I work too much and I haven't run filter socks in years, and I've got I've got detritus. Uh, it's it's like a nice blanket of detritus <laughs> in any horizontal surface. <laughs> but detritus can be the devil. The De detritus it has caused me, I think, the majority of my problems. And one day I'll clean it, and one day I'll be like, "Well, that was stupid. Why did I just do that for the last?" six years so hold it dude why are you not uh, siphoning out your detritus what uh what what how, how how long does it take you to do your maintenance uh so the sump is super super small right uh, it's a it's a tiny little maybe 10 gallon sump underneath that 45 cube inside the stand the only way to put that thing in there is uh, to take the tank off and then put the sump in. So, uh, my reach, my ability to get in there and then my 55 year old ass climbing on the ground, trying to <laughs> siphon stuff out, you know, there's that. Um, and then the way the closet is set up, the, the, the way it is, the way I configured it without forward thinking makes it very difficult for me. So that, and I got too much other stuff going on. I need to do it. And one day I will. Yes, you need to make some time for uh, for your reef uh, tanks, that's for sure. Um, Kyle uh, Tacey, thank you so much for that super chat. Very generous. Really appreciate it. The comment is, love the show. Thanks for all the hard work. Well, I appreciate uh, everybody tuning in and being supporting supporting the show. So anyway, all right. So uh, all right, you got a new tank coming in then. Yeah, it's been, well, it's been sitting out on my patio for almost a year now. Oh, the um, patio? It's like out in the winter weather and stuff? That's not good for the silicone. No, but I've, I've, uh, <laughs> there was, if you actually, if you watch Moki's and Moki came over and shot some stuff of my super not cool setup. And at one point I had a 20 gallon long that was sitting on top of two by fours on top of an Ikea cabinet. It was my interim frag while I was cleaning out some stuff and then it stayed far too long. It's like one of those guests that you can't get rid of once they hang out. Yeah. Uh, that lived outside for a very, for a very long time before I brought it in. 
I'm not too concerned about this tank. It was used. If it, I'll fill it up, and we'll see what it does. Once I get a, a period of no rain for a week or two, I'll just fill it out out in the patio and see what happens. Um, great beer to reef, Paul. Man, thank you for that super chat. Greatly enjoying the conversation already. Much love from Boston. Yeah, Beantown. Paul uh, was just in Boston. Loved it. Paul. Uh, Paul is the moderator of this uh, stream, and uh, mm-hmm. really appreciate what he does. Um, all right, so you've got. Um, so you've got you're replacing the forty gallon breeder, and that's uh, that's uh, connected to the uh, display or frag tank. Yeah, I'm going to replace. I'm yep. I'm going to replace the forty five cube. So the display, if you will, um, mad air quotes there. That'll come out, and we'll figure out what to do with that. That used to be an Oscar tank, and then it was a friend of mine's saltwater tank. Uh, all hand me down stuff. One one day maybe I'll have nice stuff, but. Right now, it's all used tanks. That's what I do. Uh, nothing wrong with that, man. You know, nothing wrong with nope. um, you know bringing uh, old stuff back to life. That's that's for sure. What so what's the what's your vision in terms of if you could have like the um, you know if you had the room and and you had the um, um, you know some money to spend in terms of that kind of setup. What sure. what uh, what is your vision in terms of that? Uh, you know what it would look like in a couple of years. I'm not sure. I'm a big tank guy. Um, if I can get nine years out of a 45 gallon cube, hand me down Oscar tank, then I could probably do pretty well. As long as the 93 holds water. Yeah. Uh, I could probably do okay. I, uh, I kind of like taller tanks. Um, really? You like I'm the taller tank? Space. That's like the one dimension yeah, that I'm not I into. Do. I like wide. I mean, I've got, I've got this and I can get in there pretty well, but, uh, I like taller tanks. Hmm. I don't, I don't. I just don't, I suppose I would have to think alternatively. I would have to think as if I had the space to do it. I'm in a small place. Um, Intentionally, I think if I had a large house, I would just fill it up with more shit. (laughs) And I think that would be a problem. Um, So I I control my hobbies kind of passively with the size of my house. Dude, I've got a pretty decent sized house on the whole. I've got an 800 square foot basement. That um, is, yep. is um, you know, where I have my two big display tanks, and it's kind of like my office and a pool yep. table and all that stuff. Really nice. And then the work room, and I've shown it a lot in, in the uh, in the videos and stuff on YouTube, you know, my sump room, it's getting really, really crowded. I mean, I've had to be, <laughs> like, super, super creative. And then today I was... Um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm expanding my uh, my Kalkwasser um uh, reservoir. I, you know, so I have this 30 gallon drum. All right. I guess I'm already transitioning mm-hmm. into the Cockwalker Cockwasser uh, discussion here, but so I'm doing the, uh, the Chris Meckley, uh, method. I've got yep. a, a 30 gallon drum <clears throat> that, um, I put, um, you know, Cockwasser in and it's saturated. super saturated, um, solution in there. So I've got it all figured yep. out. And, um, you know, so I know in terms of conductivity or pH that it is super saturated, and uh, I use my uh, my GHL dosing pumps to uh, draw from mm-hmm. it and to dose to both systems. So I've got this very elaborate setup where I've got um, probably 20 to 25 feet of tubing that goes into the sump for the Peninsula tank, and then I've got uh, a smaller run for the um, the 187 gallon tank. And so it's dosing, and I'm dosing a lot. You know, I'm dosing um, about 8,500. MLs per day on the 187 gallon system and about half of that on the uh, on the peninsula tank and that was because it, it, it was started with frags but now I'm starting to get a lot of uh, growth in that tank and a lot of corals and it's and so I need to expand my capacity to those cockwasser so 
today I um, I ordered another thirty gallon drum. I I got it in, so I I <laughs> okay. can't even I can't even put it in my sump room. I have to put it in the uh, room where the furnace is and go through the yep. wall. And yep. and today, man, I fucked up. I was uh, so I wanted to tap into the my my three quarter inch PVC pipe that um, you know I have a I have a, a fifty gallon drum with RODI water in it, and I um, I pumped that into the another fifty gallon drum where I have my salt water makeup water right. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was um, I have also another line that goes to my uh, my my one sump to. Um, well, to the to the one cockwasser drum. So I wanted to run another line to the new cockwasser drum, but I screwed okay. up and I tapped into the um, uh, the saltwater makeup line drum drum line, and I did. I spent most okay. of the day doing that work, and then I'm like, all right, man, I got a lot of work done. I'm all set to rock and roll. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, man, I screwed up. I just tapped into the wrong freaking line, you know. But you know yep. the. Um, the purpose of that long uh, story is to say that uh, Cockwasser is uh, is king. You know, I'm doing it, um, you know, one way. You're doing it another way in terms of the slurry method. Mm -hmm. But we're doing it the same way, just at different scales. Because you have the the size, the ability to have those 30-gallon drums, that's kick-ass. Mm -hmm. But then, then you take my system, total 100 gallons, with a max summertime evaporation of 0.4. So less than half a gallon a day evap in the summer. Wow. And that's what I base my dosing off of. Of course, winter's way different, right? Yeah. Winter's easily over a gallon, but summertime's 0.4. So I don't have, uh, if I could do it with saturated calc, I totally would, but I would, I'm going to overfill my sump by doing it that way. So I'm, I'm doing it exactly the same way you're doing it, but I'm just using slurry. I'm using a 3% slurry. So instead of the two gallons a day that I would need to dose to support my my pH targets of 8.3, I'm dosing um, 400 ml a day. Same thing. I'm getting the same result. I'm, it's just substantially less, and the scale works for me. Chris's Chris's pH target, I th and I think that's what you're thinking about doing, if you're not already doing. Yeah. Um so let me, let me uh, give a shout out to Rob Upstate New York. Thanks uh, for the uh, super chat, Rob. Comment is I want to build a new house around a new tank. Laugh out loud. Keep up the great chats, Keith. Appreciate <laughs> that, man. Um, and I uh, see Remy, Bahama Lama Coral is in the house. What's up there, Remy? What's up, Remy? <sighs> Remy, Lauren. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. No, so pretty much my um, the pH in my two systems is is um it's it's kind of like in the butter zone you know it's i'm like running um eight two to eight three on the yep. established system which is good you know i'm i probably wanted to get a little bit higher and and um um you know i'll i'll, I'll try to like figure out a way to maybe elevate it a little bit more you know using the calcium reactor and um mm -hmm. on the peninsula tank it's like eight two to eight four so you know it's great and and you know actually the caulk washer for me um I, I let the drum run too low the other day okay and uh it ran out i was trying and you saw that i saw like probably like 0.2 ph points big yep. big difference yep. so um what, what yeah so what you're talking about is essentially setting a limit in um you know both you and i are using the uh, the proflux ghl proflux to set kind of like an upper limit right and have the doser right. um lower limit i said a lower you limit. said lower so limit i think yeah, I set uh, I set a hard deck of eight point three, so I can't I don't go below that. 
All right, so explain what you're doing then. So, I mean, lower and upper uh, limits. The, the, the purpose of the lower limit is what? To basically... Actually, Lauren's in here. So I hit up Lauren. She lives in Australia, and it, it sucks for her that she lives on the ocean. It's just terrible. <laughs> but I, what I asked her, she went out and she tested uh, water parameters in a bay nearby, which I thought was pretty cool. So she took her test kits out on the boat, did what she had to do, um, and took those samples and her pH was 8.3. And I was like, yo, what's your pH at night? I want to know the nighttime pH. And she went out, I have no idea what time it was, but it was certainly nighttime and she measured 8.3. I understand that there's some fluctuations based on where you are, but in her particular case, uh, she has a relatively constant 8.3. I was like, okay, so that's my target. If, her Australian whatever is 8.3, then that's going to be my target. So I set that as my low. And of course, you're going to get that rise with photosynthesis during the day. That will take, I'll, I'll go up to 8.5. Um, but it's usually 8.4 and change, something around there. But as soon as the lights turn off, then it will drop down and it'll stay at 8.3. And the P4 will dose just enough saturated well just enough in my case slurry to maintain that 8.3 just like what meckley's doing uh just with ghl and with slurry so do you have a set amount um you have do you have set amounts you know during the evening to dose i mean are you uh like no i it does it all by itself it decides how much it needs to dose hmm. based on that ph reading interesting so that's what you're doing there yeah i'm i'm basically yep. not doing that at all i'm i'm pretty much figuring out what i'm evaporating and dosing what um, I think is close to that amount, mm -hmm. you know, when the lights are off. So kind of yep. like doing a concentrated um, cockwasser dosing when the um, opposite the the uh, the light schedule. Yeah, agreed. And I sent you my uh, alkalinity because I'm I'm often asked what the alkalinity looks like. Yeah, I'm going to show it right and here. And you can see that it's a it's a generally it's a, it's a relatively stable somewhere around eight to eight point five. Um, there was an increase recently, and that was while I was away. My daughter came over, and she fed the tank just twice while I was gone for eight days or so. And then there was no, you know, no coral feeding, no trace dosing, no nothing. It was just slurry. So it looked like I had a little bit of slowed growth because alkalinity came up a bit, but I expect that to drop back down. Now I'm back to normal. Yeah, you know, I um, I, I'd have to like investigate this in terms of whether or not that would make sense for me. I uh, I just don't know in terms of you know how much. Um, I never really get. So the thing is, I I never really um, you know get too much below that eight point three. But and mm -hmm. we and we talked about this before um, earlier this week, I think via email or whatever it was that um, the yep. GHL uh, doser is really not uh, the optimal way to be dosing cockwasser, especially at my volume. I don't know. Yeah, you. not for big volumes. Yeah. Those small heads aren't for big volumes. But you, I mean, you know what I did with a dose. I just converted it to GHL by throwing in the GHL board. But because uh, I didn't feel like waiting for the new maxi, and it, the the old ones are hard to get. But yeah, you really need a big, a large head, keyed head doser for that kind of volume. That's probably best. And, and you know, the other thing is, I think, and, and you know, Vinny had told me like basically, if you're going to use the um, uh, you know, the GHL doser to do that sort of thing. You need to give them at mm -hmm. least a 15 minute break in between. So um, yep. that's what would scare me, I guess, about kind of um, leaning on the P4 to just kind of have the uh, the lower and the upper limit is because, you know, it, it might just keep dosing and dosing and dosing for me because of my high volume. I don't know. I don't know. 
No, I, I bet it would stop because what mine does is it doses for a while and it sits to wait and it, it waits to see. At least that's what it looks like. It okay. waits to see the reaction. Then it'll dose again. So it's not going to dose constant. GHL, as far as I know, doesn't allow continuous dosing. Um, but I, I really wouldn't be worried about the motors. The steppers themselves are, are great steppers. I think uh, it would come down to maintenance of the, the heads themselves. And I think you're a – you're a every three months every, or, maybe, every, or maybe more frequent. Every three months I, I do maintenance yeah. on those heads. And they're dirty by the time, you know, three months is up. And, and so I yep. I break out the acetone and I um, wipe off the rollers and, and the uh, the metal shaft there and replace the rollers um, every now and then too. I mean, how um, how yep. often are you doing the maintenance on the uh, dosing heads? Only when it only when it gets to squeaking really loud. I really? just sort of base it on squeak. Yeah, because I'm not in the basement all that often. I may be down there watching a movie or something. But if I hear, I mean, the squeak is the key for me. If it's quiet, then I'm pretty good. If I look in there and the covers maybe a little dark, then I'll I'll pop it off. And like you said, acetone. I'll pull the parts. I'll even wipe off the tubing and maybe shift the tubing a little bit, turn it about um, 90 degrees. So I'm dosing a a, a new part of the tubing. Yeah. Or I'll just replace it because I have the kits. I always keep whatever. I've probably got 12 kits here just in case. The maintenance, but, uh, the maintenance kits was a good thing to have on uh, standby. For yeah, sure. totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, somebody had asked, uh, let's see, who was it? Um, Robert uh, Pacino. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. How much caulk per gallon do you both use? Um, I'd have to look it up, but um, uh, you're two teaspoons per gallon, right? Because you're saturated. What, yeah, whatever it comes out to, I guess, depending on uh, yep. what brand you're using. Well, no, it's well, should it, for, should it pretty much be that yeah, um, ratio for, yeah, for calcium hydroxide, it's usually for saturated calcus, two teaspoons per gallon. I'm using, um, two thirds cup per gallon for my slurry. And I just keep that agitated. It's a homogenous solution inside of a, a six gallon bucket with two JBO SLW tens, keeping that, that slurry homogenous. You really only need one. But I was like, well, if I'm gone, which is when it'll break, one JBO will break, and then I'm I'm stuck with no homogenation. So I put two in there just in case. Moki, man, his another another super chat. Thanks, dude. Really appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thanks, Moki. Yeah, really, really. I got to go see him. I owe him corals, and he has goodies for me to pick oh, up. Oh, well, that's that's gonna be a fun. He's just down the road. I'm super lucky. Yeah, you are. I'm like uh, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I mean, uh, <laughs> great for skiing, but not for. Uh, Meeting yep. up briefkeepers. I gotta actually make a trip over to uh, New Hampshire on Sunday. Take a road trip. Meet some. Cool. I can actually meet uh, see uh, see Paul and uh, do some coral swap and donate some corals to the uh, reef club because I got a lot of corals to uh, to donate there, uh, Jim. I got. I've been. I've been. I've been. I have been eyeballing your sale. <laughs> I was like, you got stuff like I was looking. What you have? You had uh, Meckley's Lightbright, and I'm like, that's a sweet looking coral. I uh, I'm growing that out. I don't have it uh, for sale yet, but it, it's close. It's okay. getting close. I um what I I've, I've got um his um uh, he's got this this really cool encrusting monte I got from it's called the ACI Dragon Fruit. Saw that, it. Um, Beautiful. It, it it sort of looks like an an undata. I don't know how you pronounce that, but it's not. Mm -hmm. He's, he he yep. said it's not a uh, it's not that, but it's a really cool like yeah, the, blood red. The polyps are different. Yeah, yeah. I got he I I got a few uh few of his uh, corals. Some of the, the the stuff that I picked up from last year are uh, yep. getting kind of close to being uh, fraggable. Some sweet. Can I can I 
can I gush on your frag tank for a minute? Because holy shit, dude, that <laughs> thing is just beautiful. I was watching your, I was watching your video, uh, and those pieces are just gorgeous. And that's metal halide, right? Yeah. You're running. Are, what are you running? Ushios over that or? Yeah, four hundred watt, twenty k radiums. Twenty k. Yep. Yep. On, yep. Okay. on one of the uh, frag tanks, and, and the same in the other frag tank. But then I also have the. Um, I'm running the um, Reef Bright XHOs in in tandem with the radiums, yep. which I love. That's a great combination it's a great it's just a pop gives you the pop you're yeah, looking for right, right? pretty yep. cool but um remy oh, remy man thanks so much dude just uh upping uh just upping moki he he super chatted <laughs> two two dollars and one cents and uh one cent and moki was a dollar 99 <laughs> now remy i think that was the second one that moki threw out there yeah so, dude you gotta like just saying you gotta moki did throw out a 199 earlier so you're still behind yeah bro. remy you got another you know cough up another two bucks <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i'm gonna have a problem because um i uh i need to like clear a lot of uh corals out of that display tank so i'm gonna just be fragging the yep. crap out of them and um i'm coming up with a motor yeah home. i'm coming up should, with a 54 <laughs> i'm telling you you, you, you want to swing by and like the next few weeks is a good time to come because um I've got chunks <laughs> chunks of coral yep. that um need to be rehomed yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing and we talked about this a little bit but your 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 do-over journey is going to be pretty sweet i'm looking forward to seeing how that goes yeah um yeah because i'm kind of going to be doing the same thing so i need to be learning from you so throw it all out there i want to read i want to see yeah you know what dude i'm just going to take it really really slow it's just going to be a slow slow transition it's not going to be like yep. um all right you know here, you know next weekend i'm going to like pulling everything out and putting the new rock in and all that sort of thing i've been, I've been cooking rock in my uh you know rubbermaid for over three months now dosing yep. bacteria every day doing 10 percent water changes from the um display tank you know with that mm -hmm. um, 100 gallon rubbermaid so so you put display water in with your cooked rocks. Yep. What are you dosing, if you don't mind me asking, the, what bacteria? The uh, Brightwell MB7. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm 10% every week. I'm taking 10, 10 okay. gallons out and putting 10 gallons of uh, established tank water in. So genius. And I, you know, I also had these. Um, I had some egg crate that um, I had in one of my. Um, my frag tank that was plumbed in that is plumbed into the um, peninsula tank and i was just kind of like cooking yep. those frag racks for a while because i always like to keep frag racks you know in the dark in a tank and just kind of let the bacteria you know colonize to to hopefully mm -hmm. pre prevent uh, any uh, problematic algae from uh, from popping up anyway I, I bought some new frag racks i didn't need those uh, those uh, egg crate racks that i had in that uh, other frag tank but they had all these feather dusters all over them and uh, I yep. took those out and I put it in the uh, Rubbermaid. So it's like instant life. Oh, that's good. Know? Totally. Instant life. Filtration. Yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. While you're picking that up, I'm, I'm going to... By the way, I'm on call. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're the, on call. Uh, let me thank... I am on call. Let me thank Paula Pal for the uh, super chat. Keep the one up going. Great chat. Thank you very, very much. Um, Please hold while I see what's wrong. Oh no, we're good. They're just doing some cleaning. Let me turn this off. Yeah, on sorry. Call, huh? I have the pink. I have the pink phone of shame. What is that? No, I. Oh, oh, so dig it. So uh, my my people, they have to do an on call rotation. I was like, I think it's shitty that I don't do it. So of course I'm going to do it. And then I ask IT for an on call phone. So if something breaks, then we get a call to the on call phone that we hand around each week. We give it to somebody new. 
Oh, well, IT gives us a rose gold phone. Rose gold. Because because we're a maintenance organization, so we're going to get the rose gold. I was like, oh, I got that sass. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, so I hit up one of my guys. I was like, yo, find me the sassiest phone case you can find. And, and, and old boy Samir, Samir's like, I got you. And, <laughs> and he goes to the store and he gets me this flower case. And I was like, that's glorious. Peter T says the uh, the phone of shame. It is the phone of shame. The pink phone of shame. Flash can. Thank you so much for that super chat. Very generous. Thanks for the great streams and guests. Appreciate it very much. Uh, appreciate it. Um, all right. So, dude, slurry. I I have to admit, yep. I'm not up on the whole uh, slurry thing and uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, the 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 pluses and the minuses in terms of it. But I did learn one new thing from you tonight, and that is, um, it seems like it's a good method if you've got a smaller system. Versus like having a, or, or at least not, not me, 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 let me, let me restate that. If you don't have the space yep. for a drum or a, uh, a large so, container for the cogwalls or saturated. Those who are smarter than me will, will challenge that uh, assertion. So generally what you will hear from Luca is that uh, Mahina corals, he'll say that it's generally for a larger system. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know. I like Chris's method. I think it's a cool method. I don't know why I want to target 8.3, but it just feels good, and that's what I'm going to do. But I, I all of it's based off of Lauren going out in the water and testing the water. Um, How have your corals reacted? The corals are great. My Montes are stupid. They just keep growing and growing and growing. I just keep giving them away. I mean, anything in my tank grows, and I just give it away. I haven't had any negative effects from slurry all icp testing is fantastic i don't and i understand the possibility of contamination from whatever because i'm not letting the supernate drop down i'm just dosing i'm not just dosing the liquid right i'm dosing everything so whatever is in that chunky white goodness is going into my tank so it's the fear like uh, heavy metals is that what you're worried about well i'm not but the 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 concern is that if if there's any concern at all, that's what it'd be. Whatever is in my calc is going to be in my tank. But I'm the calc I'm using, which is Mississippi line food grade. I have not had any problems. There are better. I think you've got um, you have Chris coming on in a few weeks from Captivate. I'm using I think I'm, he us probably I'm using his cogwasser. It's awesome. Okay, really yeah, incredible. I think he has a better product, yeah. and ultimately, when I'm out of my 400 years worth of Mississippi line, <laughs> then I'm going to move over to Captivate. I bought a 50-pound bag from Amazon that's going to last me five years, but whatever. When I'm done with that, or if I lose that count, those those containers of calc, then I'll, I'll of course, get Chris's. Well, you but, could also find you know some old lady that's in the pickling line. <laughs> I could. Hey, you want this? Because it's really good stuff. It's better than Mrs. Not not, not that uh, I'm like you know stereotyping here, but that's like the woman on the on the label, right, Mrs. Uh, you had an apron in your mouth. Yeah, I did. I know you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. The concern is contamination. I'm not concerned. The secondary concern, and probably. The riskier, and I think you guys talked about it last week a little bit, where um, Richard mentioned that slurry is back around. I think the difference between slurry then and slurry now is the reliability and, and precision of the devices that we're using to control the dose. I'm totally comfortable with the P4 and the pH probes. As long as I keep them calibrated, I have, I have no concern. And then also... 
I, I have zero concerns with the Doser 2.1. You take care of that thing. You maintain. You don't complain. You take care of your equipment. Gotta, you have you your backup supplies, right? You take care of You it. have everything you need. And then, sorry, smack my mic. Then, then you you have everything you need, and your the opportunity for failure re- greatly reduces to almost to zero. It's always a chance that something's going to happen, but I trust that doser. So, given that I trust the device, I trust the doser. It's the same as calc, as far as I'm concerned, saturated calc. So, all right, the the I guess the fear out there from the uh, naysayers is that heavy metals can get into the, uh, into the system, but you've been doing ICP testing. Um, what, what about the, uh, the precipitate though? I mean, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, where are you dosing that into your sump? Yeah. So I dose it in two different places, much like you're doing with two different systems. I dose it to two different places within the same water volume. My phone's going off again. Um, I dose into the sump for the display. So I have a dose head that is, uh, you know, I've got two pH probes. So one pH probe runs the display. One pH probe is in the tank. Those two tanks are on alternate light cycles. So one's on during the day, one's on during the night, that kind of thing. So the the pH probe that's in the display controls the fourth head off the KHD, and it doses based on the pH of the display. And it's all coming from the same bucket. And then a frag tank does the same. So, I mean, I have it controlled. I don't think I have a concern there. I absolutely don't have a concern there. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. But so it's not uh, um, you're not concerned about it getting into pumps and whatnot. And um, I'm I'm not. So the concern about um, slurry clogging up pumps is I've not realized that. Right. I've got two JBOs sitting inside the solution itself, which is, you know, it's a fairly abrasive solution. But those JBOs are holding up. Then I've got a so JBO return. They're stirring. Pump. Oh, they're how, absolutely how often stirring. are they stirring? Continuously. Continuously. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Those JBOs don't turn off. Wow. Um, I ran one for almost a year, and it got a little wobbly. The head got wobbly. It got a little loose, which is apparently something that happens with JBOs. So now what I'd have is both JBOs that are in that bucket in that solution turned down halfway, and they're doing a great job. Um, yeah. See, that's actually Go ahead. Luca and Luca and Rob. They've both done the same thing. Luca has one that's a couple weeks behind my original, so he's at a year already with a JBO inside slurry. Rob's about a month behind. What happens though if that JBO uh, JBO start stop working, seize up? That's why. That's why I have two. That's why I've got two. Yep. Come on, I'm right. <laughs> Redundancy. Redundancy. Flight yeah. control system inside <laughs> an aircraft. The B two stealth bomber's got quad redundant. Flight control. So I learned my. See, lesson. that's the that's the beauty of the super saturated uh, methodology is that you don't have to you don't have to stir it. It does not have to be stirred. Agreed, and that's what I did for years. Yeah. I probably did that for I don't know. I did that for at least it's eight so years. Frickin', seven it's so freaking it's so freaking simple, man. I mean, it's like it's great. It I mean, is. I you know you you don't need a uh, you know a caulk um, you know uh, reactor. You don't need that. Reactor. You know, um, and it's yep. not a good idea to run RODI water your top off through that anyway, right? So you don't mm-hmm. want to do that. But um, it's simple, man. You know, it, take a five gallon bucket, a ten gallon bucket, thirty gallon drum like I have. If you can do it, see, I can't do it, right? My evaporation rate doesn't support that level. What I'm trying to do. So I can't do it. Slurry is the answer for me. But for those that can do it, saturated calc is one. Like, I don't know why every single reefer isn't dosing saturated calc to begin with. And that's your foundation of your dosing. And then anything, once your once your corals overtake that, that happened to me. 
once your corals overtake the alkalinity that you're adding with that saturated calc, then you could add two-part. You could add a calcium reactor. But uh, I'm a firm believer that calc is the, the foundation of all dosing. It's magical. It's, uh, you know, in terms of it's simple, it's, simple. it's, it's, it's got like this, ma- you know, magical properties in terms of coral growth and, 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 um, I don't yeah. know what it is, but, um, so hold it. You're not doing any, no calcium reactor, no two part. You're just solely Kalkwasser. Solely Kalkwasser. And that graph that you have is purely, uh, slurry. That's it. The only thing I'm dosing is to maintain pH and I get the alk that I get it. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive, dude, because, um, you know, pretty much Everybody that I know that's that's doing, um, you know, whether it's a, a, a calcium reactor or two part, there's, um, you know, if you're using Cogwasser, it's to supplement. And uh, you know, so yep. I'm 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 using um, some some high um, capacity calcium reactors, and and um, but you know, the great thing is the calcium reactors are not really running all the time. So right. um, it's it's nice to be able to kind of like um, you know have. The, uh, the 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 one two punch in terms of Cogwasser and the uh, and the calcium reactors. No matter what you're doing, but um, you know, for me, in terms of yep. using the uh, calcium reactors, that's why I have to um, you know run the uh, the Cogwasser to uh, to keep that pH uh, elevated. But um, I'm running a lot of it now and and leaning a yep. lot less on the uh, calcium reactors, and and I also have um, doing a couple other things to keep the pH elevated. See, I think that's, uh, I think what you're doing is, well, personally, I think that's the right way only because at some point the media for your calcium reactors is maybe difficult to get. I think we already ran in that, ran into that a little you bit, think so? maybe down you the think, road. Uh, I, it's a possibility. Think I think getting calcium, I think calcium hydroxide is easier to dig out of the ground than going to find old coral skeletons. Um, I'm sure there's a supply for calcium reactors. I think down the road, it may be a little more difficult to get. Um, a couple of things here. Um, yeah, I see some comments. People, let's, uh, let's hit that like button. We've got over 130 folks watching us, but only 57 likes. So let's get the, uh, get those likes up there. So more people can find us. Um, UK reef bro. How often are you calibrating your pH probes? I do mine monthly. Um, I was going to ask you that. So I've got, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I'm not at all, uh, whatever. I'm not hindered by controllers. So I've got the, the GHL running two pH probes, but then I've also got the E-Coral and it's paying attention. And I also have an Apex in the basement as well. So I'm taking, right, I look at them and as long as they're generally close and I'm not concerned, if one starts to drift off, then I'll do it. If I were doing it and I was relying slowly, uh, solely on slurry to take care of what I'm doing, then I'm probably going to be looking at those pH probes monthly if not every two months. Uh, right now, I have the flexibility to just pay attention to what the other probes are doing and then base my calibration off of that. Yeah, I, um, I really, you know, I, I basically calibrate uh, my pH probes every four weeks just to kind of, um, you know, that's that's my routine. Do you calibrate or you just verify? Because I think one of the things that BRS did, and it was super smart to say, is that you buy this pack and this packet costs pennies. And then you just stick your probe in there. And as long as your probe gets damn close to maybe seven oh, or that's ten, a good idea. whatever you're doing, yeah. then maybe you're, you're just doing a verification hmm. and you don't need to go through the whole calibration process. So if you throw your probe in and it says seven, you're like, that's good enough. Jim, man, that's a good tip. You know, I learned something new like every day in this hobby. Hey, I'm just regurgitating. That's, that's old BRS. <laughs> 
they got good data. You know that. <laughs> they do, but you got to recalibrate the uh, pH probe and the cage director. You got to do that, or do you? You do. I think. Uh, well, that's why I have a Hannah, right? I do a confirm. Uh, uh, every once in a while, I'll do a confirmatory test, and as long as it's close, I'm good. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then also, I'm not controlling the KH, right? So same with me. Um, yeah, whatever it says, it says, and then every once in a while, I do a Hannah check. Uh, maybe my reagent's okay, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, if it isn't, then I'll throw that one out and I'll go get another one. Just and then it then it's generally okay with the cage director. It aligns. All right. So uh, are, are we uh, have we milked the uh, cockwasser? Uh, Sorry for the pun there, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> we uh... yeah, dose calc. I don't know why you don't saturate. Yeah. You don't have to use slurry. Everybody yeah, should dose calc. Cockwasser is a beautiful thing. I saw Cindy even talking. Cindy was talking about she needs to spin back up her calc. Absolutely, yeah, you do. for sure, for sure. That big beautiful tank, get it going. Um, all right, dude. So you're one of the lucky few that's um, you know had the ion director. Talk about your experience. Yeah. Uh, I gave you a graph. I think you can show yep. that. So here's the probe. This is the ion director probe, and it's a double top secret. You, I don't know what they got going on here. Uh, but this is absolutely a proprietary probe that does voodoo magic <laughs> business. So it, it measures, uh, I mean, you, you, you can show what, yeah. it, what it measures along with, um, not salinity, but sodium. So the ion director is a pretty cool device. You got to do some interesting things. First, the setup is stupid easy. I don't understand the challenges with the setup, but also I'm really good at setting up a KHD. Mm. And it's super similar. So the biggest thing you got to do, and you got to, well, first, RTFM, right? You know what RTFM is? RTFM. What is RTFM? Read the FM manual. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a, uh, that's so, a good policy. Yeah. <laughs> always RTFM. I don't know why people don't do that. I think we're all accustomed to, we want stuff right now. We want to plug in our control yeah. blur and go without reading Bad directions, idea. whatever. I mean, this is a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a smart device. It's a delicate device. It's a competent device. And you just need to read through the direction. First, if you're buying something, that's what I like about GHL. If you're going to buy something, go read the instructions. If you think the instructions suck, then maybe it's not for you. If they seem difficult, maybe it's not for you. But go download the manuals. Go download the resource guide. See, we're getting back on GHL, and I'm trying to do that. But go read the manual. Mm. And then you'll learn that you got to soak this thing for like, I don't know. I don't remember what it says, but I, I soak it for like 24 hours. And you can only let the liquid get so high on this thing because this thing's super delicate. Oh. So you soak your probe. When you're done soaking your probe, you put your probe in the machine you get your liquids already. And, and I'm assuming the directions here. told you to soak the probe. Absolutely. <laughs> and it told you how deep to soak the probe and how to do it properly. And then you've got, it uses way more reference B than it does reference A. So you got to have more of this stuff hmm. than this stuff. Okay. But whatever magic juice is in here, which I haven't figured out yet, but it's whatever, it works. You have to have this stuff. So you get your fluid set up, you get your sample set up. Go ahead. Moki, 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 man, again, a dollar ninety nine, dude. Thank you so much, Remy. What the hell, man? Where are you, dude? You're Slacker. falling behind. <laughs> Remy has weeping willow frags. Advil DM him next. Okay, 
There you go. Sorry. Yeah, those sweeping willows are beautiful. But anyway, you have your reference fluids, and then GHL also makes, and I would recommend everybody go buy a jug of this juice because if you want to check your Hannah checkers and see what they're really reading, what is that? This thing's got calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and nitrates. So it has very specific lab grade readings, right? So this is calibrated juice. Mm. So you can put this in your uh, in your Hanna checkers to see what's up to make sure they're cool. So I've got a couple jugs of this stuff too, because um, I want to know that the ion D is reading what it's supposed to read. So you put your sample tube into this fluid, you pull that, you do a reading, you see what it is. The ion D lets you adjust the reading to this reference fluid because there's going to be fluctuations in this probe, right? Variations yeah. in this probe. Um, so having a reference fluid is helpful. It's cheap. It's something if, if you want it, if it's piece of, it's a peace of mind thing, right? For me, I just want to know. So if I see something that's out of the ordinary, then I can adjust accordingly, but or at least investigate. Uh, so you've got your probe in, you've got your fluid set, and then you you hit this button that says prepare whatever chamber. I could look at the app, but yeah, it it, it you prepare the chamber and then you go away. And this is where and it gets can a you come back for people? You come back twenty four hours later. <laughs> oh, it's twenty four hours. 24 oh, hours. And wow. then that's when you run your first test. Oh, okay. So now gotcha. everything All is right. chill. Everything is settled. And and I installed my ION-D in a very um, other than recommended environment. I have vibrations from magnetic stirs. I have radio interference. I gave it pretty much the worst place you can install it. I can imagine what kind of bunker you're <laughs> in there, uh, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the closet. The closet's a mess. Go watch Moki's video from a million years ago. But... If you then, if you have my graph, you can see how my readings were a little funky and then they totally just locked yeah. in. And to the point where I'm, I'm comfortable controlling nitrates dosing, if I were doing that right yeah. now with the ion D. No, uh, no controlling for you right now. No controlling. Actually, right now I'm not dosing any nitrates or phosphates. I'm just letting the tank settle. I'm trying to control it with food. Uh, right now, my red field is inverted, and I'm trying to fix that up. But uh, that happened while I was away. Yeah, so I saw that on uh, on your Instagram that you stopped dosing uh, nitrates and phosphates. Um, uh, so has has the uh, more uh, fish food, whatnot, feeding, kind of um, served that purpose in terms of increasing the nitrates and phosphates, or no? Yeah, not enough in terms of phosphates because I think or nitrates. The phosphates are fine in terms of nitrates. Um, I think the bacteria that I have in my swamp tank is substantial <laughs> and it doesn't, it does a pretty good job of doing what it does. Plus the corals are generally happy and, uh, Lou from, uh, Tropic Marin says happy corals reduce nitrates. He said that in one of his talks. So I don't know, maybe that's part Dude, of it that's too. That's like but, one of my major concerns is like taking a lot of coral out of my, my established system. And all of a sudden my nitrates and phosphates are going to like go through the freaking roof. You know, because I think they're pulling a lot of that stuff out. Yep. You know. Yeah, I understand. Um, Rogue It's uh, and phosph phosphates are going. I was just going to thank Rogue Aquariums for the super chat. Keep up the good work, Keith. Nice yep. to see Jim on, for sure. Um, thank you. Go ahead, man. Uh, phosphates are the tricky one, right? Because right now there's no auto testing for, f well, no, uh, Mastertronic can do it. I think if it's working well, but there's no real good solution for, um, 
phosphates. I auto auto test. I um I agree with you that um you know you you should probably I I think it's better to lean on feeding the fish more versus um, mm-hmm. dosing nitrates and phosphates. I mean sometimes they have to dose nitrates and phosphates, but um. I don't know. It's um, I've I've kind of had up and down experience with that stuff. I never used to do it years ago. I mean, I never even paid attention to that crap. And and then yep. um, you know, kind of like it was like the one of the um, the 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 um, the new things to do in terms of dosing nitrates and phosphates. And I was running Cato, and um, you mm-hmm. know, I I I needed to keep those levels, uh, you know, especially the nitrate elevated for the uh, for the Cato. But then I started dosing bacteria and, and uh, I stopped. I took the Cato offline and, and life has been a lot easier for me since I started dosing the bacteria and not had to use the uh, the macro. Um, so, Agreed. I'm in the same boat, right? I'm using EcoBalance, doing the exact same thing you're doing. Uh, and I don't have Cato. My Cato won't live. Yeah, I kept. And that's kept, why I turned that 5.5 into going. Yeah, it kept crashing on me. Yep, totally. And that's why I turned that 5.5 into my mixing chamber for dosing. Remy, thanks, dude. Five bucks. Moki said he was getting another <laughs> frogfish. <laughs> All, right, Mo- uh, All right, Moki, you're up, dude. <laughs> double double talk, top secret, Mochi, his frogfish that's, that's dead is still in my freezer. Oh, it's still in your freezer? Why is it in your freezer? Because I was going to give it to a dude so he could do an autopsy on it, but uh, that never happened. But it's still there, Moki. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know maybe it'll you could bring it back to life somehow with the uh i don't know uh, it's it's probably yeah it's fish jerky now fish, it's no fish, good it's done dried it's done, out uh, dried out um yeah um rogue aquariums i would like to see the trident come out with a nitrate and phosphate tester is that possible dude i mean is it possible it's, to like have nitrate uh you know, automated testing i mean I, I know of talking to like you know the folks at ghl that's like a really hard nut to crack it's so so it's a small yeah, but they're doing it with probes, right? So Trident's going to do it with a photometer. They're going to do it with visual, just like um, uh, Hannah's, because there's no difference between a Trident and a Hannah checker. They're they're all kind of doing it the same way. They're just looking for a, a color change. Right. There's no reason why they can't do it. It should be similar to what Mastertronic does. Yeah, I you know, I um I use the Milwaukee. I uh, forget what it's mm-hmm. called. It, it's um. You know, I think it's a pretty good phosphate test kit, but, um, you know, a lot of times I'll test out at like zero or near, uh, zero and, but I know that, um, you know, I've got phosphates in the, uh, in the system. So it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we overreact and, and chasing nitrates and phosphates to me is like not a, uh, a healthy thing when you're keeping a reef yep. tank, I think, um, you know, you mentioned it before, you know, you got to eyeball your corals. I mean, yeah, if you start getting a lot of like algae in the, uh, you know, the tank and stuff like that, yep. like I mean, for you, it's pretty obvious. Get rid of the detritus, you know, that's uh that's a big thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that might help. <laughs> I can tell you if I dose nitrates, not phosphates, if I dose nitrates, then I'll get this weird algae growing. Huh. And as soon as I stop, then that algae goes away. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, um, I mean, listen, it's, we've got a lot of information, um, you know, at our disposal. You've only been in the hobby like nine years. So this is a Mm -hmm. lot more information than I had when I got into the hobby almost 30 years ago. Uh, I feel lucky, right? I'm able to, I'm able to learn from people like you from Al. I started learning from people like Moki when he was doing whatever he was doing. Dude, I um, never, the people... I never tested phosphate. I never tested magnesium. <laughs> I never yep. ever tested for that stuff. I didn't care. What are you, what are you doing for trace? 
Because if you don't mind, right, the tank that you have your mattress over, your your that tank's growing like crazy. Yeah, it is. I think those are the pictures you're posting. Yeah. Right? What are you doing in that tank? I think it's a, a combination of. Well, Chris Meckley thinks it's you know pH is driving that. You know the the pH in that okay. tank is like eight two to eight four. <laughs> I think the um, yep. the mitras are. Um, I'm digging the mitras. You you did me a solid, man, and and provided me a, um, a spectrum that I'm using <clears throat> in the mitras. You still use? Oh that? yeah, I didn't change that. Oh, that's I awesome. didn't change that. Okay. So it's what what Jim did for me was um, created a spectrum that mimics four to watt twenty k halides, right? I think maybe you also uh, had a 250 watt uh, 20k uh, halo in that in that mix, but um, so it's mimicking what I'm using in terms of my pretty close to what I have for my 400 watt 20k radium halides on my other uh, system. But um, and you're you're but you visually see that as a little more blue because the blue band is wider with the Metris than it is with you know your what, man? 20k. It was um, when I had no corals in there, it looked a lot bluer. Mm -hmm. But now that I've got corals in there, and I look like from one tank to the next. It um it looks pretty darn close I think it looks okay, pretty cool it, it looks maybe it's like a little bit bluer um you know on the frag tank which I I I picked up some meters and I put the um put those on my frag tank that's plumbed in that peninsula tank I've got that set right. up but um so I think I think pH is driving a lot of that growth I think the lighting is definitely I've got six meters over a um a six foot long by three foot wide tank twenty inches uh, tall tank. So I'm getting really good coverage with that. I'm digging your spectrum. Uh, in terms of traces, I'm um, currently dosing. The only thing I'm dosing right, right now is Kato Grow. I stopped. I okay. stopped with the macro. So iron. Yep. I stopped with the uh, the macro. And um, what I'm going to be dosing um, in terms of traces, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna swap it out. I put a um, I got a couple of ICP tests that are um, yep. that are um, I'm waiting on right now for the results. But uh, captivate, Chris. I'm gonna try his. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna try his traces. So we're doing a little uh, pre-post. Yeah, isolate, isolate MT. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Right? So we're gonna we're gonna okay. do a little pre-post in terms of the ICP test. So I'm doing the ICP test before I'm dosing that stuff, and then I'll do the uh, ICP test a month or two later to kind of see what happens. And then I'm also um, I'm using <clears throat> Instant Ocean Salt. I've been using Instant Ocean Salt for mm -hmm. a very very long time. And I'm going to be... Damn you, man. I don't know how you could do that. How could you possibly be a reefer? Go ahead. <laughs> but um, I'm also switching to, uh, to to Chris's salt to, um, okay, you know... Okay, good. So it's... Um, and, you know, um, kudos to Meckley because he's, you know... I've been to his place a couple of times. I've seen his, um, you know, his animals in person. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like... Uh, you know, it's just I'm drooling every time I go to that place. And, and obviously what he's doing is working, you know, works. So, um, I don't, I don't, yeah, if, sorry, let me cut you off for a second. If you've not watched Chris's or, uh, uh, Keith's ACI show off video that he recently posted, go check that out because those animals are beautiful. Go ahead, oh sorry. yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, just freaking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's been working for, um, for Chris Meckley and I, yep. um, I don't like to make a lot of changes to my systems, especially when things are going really well, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a hard time to kind of like tinker, but I think these are uh, worthwhile experiments for me. Yeah. So let's pause there for a second. First, you're going to do a big tear down of your tank. Yeah. That's one and system. Then you're yeah. Change your, yeah. Then you're going to change your salts and then change you the traces. went led and you've been metal halide like forever. Yeah. 
you're like metal halide Jesus, and now you moved over to LEDs, and then, <laughs> and now you're going to be dosing uh, Captivate Trace. Yeah, but you don't like making changes. I know. It's um, I'm I'm not I'm so not. So I'm excited to watch what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean this jazzes me, right? I'm into it. I want to see what you do. I want to learn from it. That's what I was saying before. Is like I think just with anything with reef keeping, you got to take it really really slow. I mean, I'm I'm making um you, do. I, uh, you know I'm, I'm going to do the change with the traces um probably like next week and i'm going to slowly okay. bring the um the the 187 gallon tank um I'm going to slowly take a lot of the corals out but I'm kind of transitioning a lot of the stuff to the frag tanks that's plumbed in mm-hmm. so not yep. moving a lot of coral out not big of a change just a little bit of bump in a row right and, and i'm gonna they'll i'm, take gonna, off I'm gonna like just um you know like one colony at a time that sort of thing mm-hmm. mokey yep. thanks man it's a marathon <laughs> i like it Where remy, at, remy come on remy <laughs> <laughs> no uh i i'm digging the changes that you're making because i think they're cool they're evolutionary you talked about what was the video you made not about being stagnant I'm, oh I'm evolving losing. as a reef keeper yeah yeah evolving as a reaver yeah. and you're doing that i think that's what you're doing right yeah no i'm i'm uh, i'm definitely you know it's it, I, i've been kind of stuck in my ways for many many years um, you know, live rock only and, um, mm-hmm. you know, metal halides only. And so with this, uh, 187 reboot, I'm doing dry rock. I'm cooking it though, to, to turn it into live yep. rock. And I'm not going to put LEDs on that, uh, that system. That would be too, uh, of course that'd not. be too wild of and crazy, not. you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you love your halides and I can't, yeah, I think it's that. good to have, um, you know, I could, you know, I have, I'm, I'm in a finished basement in Vermont. It doesn't get super hot. And, um, I do mm-hmm. have a chiller that's on that system. So it, um, it, it doesn't go on too can often. I ask you, go ahead. Can I ask you about your chiller? What is your cleaning regimen for your chiller? Uh, like I do nothing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Cause I had one and it turned into a phosphates factory. Really? Like I had to take it outside. I, I unplumbed it, took it outside, turned it upside down and, death incarnate rolled out of my chiller it was as if a cow had crawled into my chiller and died and (laughs) rotted and that's what was living in there and when i dumped that stuff out my phosphates went down to zero what the hell's going on with that that's weird man i've never ever done anything to any of my chillers never never it'd be interesting to see what's living inside your chiller It it doesn't go on that often, but um, I don't have a chiller on the LED lit tank, so you know that says okay. something, I guess, right? That um, that that tank's beautiful. What yeah. you got going on there, right? You have your challenges with that tank. You had funky algae. I had dinos. You had, I think, a little cyano. Yeah, dinos. dinos. Yep. Um, um, what else did I have? I, I've got uh, I got some bubble algae, but I don't give a crap about that. People are like, ah, oh, you yep. know, before the whole vibrant thing, throw throw some vibrant in there. I was like, yeah, I ain't gonna <laughs> yeah, be happy. Go ahead, go ahead and yeah, do I ain't that. Gonna be doing that. Um, <laughs> You know, emerald crabs, I guess, are something you can do for uh, for bubble algae. But um, I've seen yeah, em- I've seen things. emerald crabs eat acros. You know, I think if you mm-hmm. get the wrong one in there, and then it's like a freaking nightmare because then you're just ripping apart the tank trying to or like trying to catch a catch a thing. What trailer yeah. do I use? Um, the uh, Trade Winds inline one half horsepower chiller is what I've got. Is that is that some sort of heat exchanger thing, or is it like the JBJ? Because I have a JBJ that's in my garage. Uh, JBJ no is a drop-in, though, right? This is inline. It yeah. is okay, yeah. inline. Yeah. So like a heat exchanger kind of thing. That's smart. Yeah, I think so. But maybe the problem was... is that the way I um, way I set it up was not very smart. Actually, I didn't have any. Um, the only way 
Well, the issue is that um, when it turns on, it, the exhaust is coming out into my sump room and it's heating up that room. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a kind of vi a vicious <laughs> cycle. And um, mm -hmm. so that's, that's a problem. And I guess I could try to like, yeah. you know, spend some money and have that vented out, but that would be crazy. So um, I might have to put in. But you are. Go ahead. You also put a, you put an air exchange yeah, in the house too, Yeah, I do yes? have that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, but that doesn't help in terms of, smart. that doesn't help in terms of the, uh, the cooling issue, but that helps with the pH issue for sure. That just that's, pH. That's, yeah. That's, sorry. That's, that's, that's given me like 0.2 pH points, which was huge. That's good. Yeah. So I have a similar thing. And then, uh, I have an Ecobee thermostat that allows me to run my fan in my house so many minutes each hour. And I've been doing that for years. And I think that's been helpful because I took apart one of my cold air returns up in the attic. So I'm always pulling in fresh air directly to the furnace, which then pushes it throughout the house, the base of it being closer to the furnace. It's similar, I think, to what you're doing. Yeah. Only only I'm running my air conditioner more in the summer because I'm pulling in more hot air and I'm running my furnace more often in the winter because I'm pulling in cold. But uh, it does pull in more fresh air. I, um, I actually had to add a, uh, a window AC unit in my basement here after I added in the uh, second system because it was just um, that additional heat from that system really... Um, kicked my chiller on a lot more for the other tank. So I needed Okay. To... And then humidification too, right? Your basin's relatively humid or no? Nah, not bad. Not not okay. too bad. Because the window would help with that yeah, too. Yeah. I've got good thing is I've got several windows in here and, and uh, I can keep them open if I you know to avoid turning yeah. on the AC. The other thing I'll say is that um I've got some industrial fans over my frag tanks that are hooked into mm -hmm. my uh P four that that will uh, turn on I think it's yep. seventy nine degrees to uh kind of Try to okay. nip the, um, you know, um, keep the chiller from kicking on, and and so that's even happening in the winter time. You know, I'm getting my uh, my fans are coming on. Are you, do you, are you doing something similar? Yeah, I have a big old computer fan that's about this big. I mean, it's huge and it's hooked up to the P4 and the P4 measures whatever, and it just blows across the frag tank when it does turn on, and it works great. And I was able to remove the chiller, so even in the summertime, uh, just a fan was enough. Uh, Paul, great beer to reef. Um, pitho, am I pronouncing that correctly? Pitho crabs are good for Valonia as well. I've never heard of uh, pitho crabs. So, mm -hmm. dude, you uh, you mentioned uh, my video in terms of how I evolved as a reef keeper. You've been in the hobby nine years. How yep. have you evolved as a reef keeper? Have you? <sighs> Reefing to me is uh, just one big grand experiment. Uh, and I've said it before, and I think it's relatively true. As long as you follow... Your methods, BRS's, BRS's methods, I mean, they, the videos that they put out have made reefing incredibly easy, right? So you follow those methods, you can generally be successful and to the point where I'll say that most anybody can grow a mixed reef or SPS tank. I think it's gotten to the point now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's gotten to the point where most people can be successful with a reasonable amount of money, with a reasonable amount of equipment, and grow some coral. Yeah, that's boring to me, right? Yeah. I want to be able to, I want to see what I could do. I want to take Meckley's method and Mahina, I'm into mashups, right? So I want to take Meckley's method and Mahina's slurry and I want to figure out how to make, I was, I, when I listened to Chris and he was talking about pH control, I was like, well, shit, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so then I immediately that same day went down to control pH. It's just one big grand experiment for me. So it's me being able to take, like my, my Gen 4 XR30 that was sitting over the display, 
we're in the middle of renovating the basement, so I have to move the fish tank out mm. of the corner where it's that lived sucks. in for whatever nine years. Mm. I posted the pictures of the wire bun, the wire goodness that was living behind there. Because when something broke, I just cut it and left. My it. line management um, sucks. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, mine's horrible. Right now, it looks really good because I pulled the tank. So I've got, I had an XR30 Gen 4 over top of that tank. Then I hung the sky over top just to see what it looked like. And I was like, well, that looks damn near exactly the same thing. And then when I pulled the tank out, I put a uh, a Nikru 100 over the same tank. And they all kind of look exactly the same. Over 45, you can get away with most anything. Um, I like experimenting. I like being able to look at a spectrum of light, like a Gen 4, and look at the spectrum of the sky, align those two, and then look at the spectrum of a $150 light and go, yeah, I can get damn close mm-hmm. to those two and put it over the 45 and then not negatively impact the tank. So it's that kind of experimenting. I mean, with these, with the bar lights, that whole thing with everything, I just like experimenting. I like changing it up. I like, I just get bored. So I turned it into something else or like dosing. That's why I asked about trace because I, I did red sea trace colors forever. It was super successful with that minimal water changes to no water changes. I did no water changes for probably a year and a half. How'd that go? Now I'm back to a, it was fine, especially with the Red Sea Trace. I had great ICP. It all looked pretty good. I did one N-Doc, and it looked like I needed to do some water changes. Um, now I do very small water changes, and I'm playing with Tropic Marin Trace because I want to see what that looks like. I'll do some ICP because my Trace sucks right now because I stopped Red Sea. And then when that's done, I'll let Trace suck again. Then I'll go to Captivate. I just want to see the difference. I just yeah. use it as one big grand experiment. That's cool, man. I mean, you're very data-driven, it seems like. And, and um, you know, I think, um, listen, technology has got a big place in this hobby. And it's, you know, I think you yep. can kind of prove that, you know, if you do kind of stick to that sort of approach, that uh, you can have success. But that's a great thing about this hobby. It's like uh, I just saw somebody uh, made a comment in the chat here. Um, I'm dumb and I can grow SPS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> so you're not if you're growing SPS, whatever. You're doing something right. And <laughs> Aaron, that's hilarious. But it's all about success. So what do you, what, you know, I mean, what's your measurement of success? If your measurement of success is an Acropora that's alive and actually showing a little bit of polyps, hell yeah. That's Acros cool. are really resilient. They are, but not when you're using a swamp tank. There are mm. some stuff like, uh, actually my SPS are, uh, my LPS has a hell of a hard time in my tank, but my SPS, my Disney's fine. It doesn't care at all. Yeah, I uh, you know it's weird in my um, in my peninsula tank. I I can grow like LPS like weeds in my uh, mm-hmm. in my 187 gallon tank, but uh, I cannot uh, really keep any LPS. I've got a um, a red gani. I've got a uh, a Duncan frag from one of my um, I, I got a big Duncan coral in my 187 gallon. I got a Duncan frag. Yep. I've I've tried putting in some green ganis. I've tried putting in um, some other uh, LPS. And uh, no go. I think I think I've got uh, pyramid butterfly fish, and I think I okay. think they're um, bugging the um, the LPS. I think, but I also got what I about... also got a shit ton of, of flow in that tank too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That could yeah. be it. What about what about um, pectinias? I am actually going to be picking up a um, a space invader pectinia this weekend um, when I make my uh, trek out to New Hampshire. So I'm going to try that. Good, because I grow them so quickly, I just give them away. Because they just, 
I j- actually it was the original from Moki. Moki's like, hey, this needs help, and and I was like, yo, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm gonna kill your space evader. That was your prize coral. He made me take it. And that was years ago now, and the thing just keeps growing. I just keep giving it away. And then Lynn Reefner, she gave me a rainbow pectinia that's super pretty, and that thing just keeps growing and growing and growing. Those seem fine, but it like. Um, How do you frag those things, man? You just take out the old bandsaw and just boom? Nope, you don't need that because it's super, super uh, thin tissue. Oh, really? And yeah, you just cut it with scissors or you cut it with a bone cutter. Huh. So sharp scissors, like something like a Fisker or something like that is actually best. Um, you just slice it because the tissue is so so thin. Huh. They get nice and balloony. Okay. But when they lose all of their water that they hold inside, they get super, super thin tissued. So then you just slice so it, the skeleton, wait for it to drain the out. The skeleton is real thin. But yeah, it's really easy huh. to cut. And then you glue it um, cut side down. And, uh, you have to do the, um, within a week dip or whatnot and like, uh, iodine. iodine, you could do some yeah. iodine. That's not a bad idea, especially if your scissors are contaminated or something. Um, but glue it cut side down and then the, the cut side on the mother colony will heal within a week, week and a half. Um, Calypso's reef SPS is cherry on the top of the cake is something about it that keeps you on the hook to it. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Great beer to read, Paul. Yeah, just don't spike salinity exponentially like I did. Yeah, that's a bummer, Paul. For yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> J-Tone. Uh, filthy. Laugh my ass off. I love the uh, J-Bo shirt. I just noticed that he's rocking that on. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed it, too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, um... You know, back earlier in the chat, I noticed somebody asking about the um, Neptune skylights. Have you um, had yep. a chance to uh, test those? Yeah, I have one, and it looks like I have a uh, an ATI strat coming my way, hopefully in the next two weeks. Um, Sky, to me, is the same as a Gen 4 XR30. Hmm. There's really no difference. Um, the spectrum super close. The Metris has a very similar spectrum. It's a tiny bit wider than the sky, the blue, but they're all kind of basically the same. Um, for the, for me, the sky, I think it's a nice looking light. I think I don't like the, the soft touch polyurethane coating that some people put on, right? Some manufacturers put on their equipment that gets sticky a couple years down the road. Um, but I think the light looks nice. Uh, I like that diffuser panel inside because it really does diffuse the light well. Yep. The only, but the true positive for me is the setup was just so stupid easy. I mean, it's all Bluetooth. You don't need a an Apex. You got the app. You got the light, and poof, you you're you're running your light. But it doesn't do anything better. It doesn't do anything differently. Uh, you can buy a Metris LX seventy two oh six for less money. And it will uh, beat the sky in a couple different things. One being spectrum, and the other spread is neck and neck. So, but I mean, it's just another reef light, right? Right. So um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit. So last week when I had um, the panel on, you know, when I had um, Ben and Rich and Tulio on, we talked um, for a while about the the whole issue with with LEDs and certain fixtures having a uh, a lack of UV. But I, I you know, we we did yeah. we did not. Um, mentioned that that is not the case apparently for all 
LED lights, right? You've done testing and found that there is UV that can penetrate down to uh, to corals. We're not saying that this is making a difference in terms of coral health or not. I mean, I think there Correct. needs to be more research and studies done on that. It's um, there's a lot of um, you know anecdotal kind of evidence that maybe there is an issue. But um, can you just kind of share what you've um, found in your testing? Yeah, I'll be super clear that my focus on pH is totally marketing. And then uh, secondary to that is coral color because I'll have a I'll have a Disney that lives under the Metris and I'll have a Disney that lives under the Gen 4 XR30. Uh, Radeon does not have UV, but a Metris does. And the color is going to be different at the same par levels. The color of the, the Metris Disney is going to be a little more vibrant. And then if I move it to the tank with the XR30, it does look different. So they are growing they are coloring up differently. Hmm. That's not health related. I'm not talking health at yeah. all. And I want to make sure that that's super clear. I have no effing clue if UV coming out of a metal halide from 350 nanometers, like a, a 20K radium or an Ushio does really good job of 350 to 400 nanometers worth of, of UVA. Uh, and a UV is not doing that yet, but that's coming, uh, but not yet. Um, so I don't want to talk about health. Coloring, yes, but uh, I'm totally focused on marketing. So if your light has a UV slider, it better have a UV diode. In my mind, right. most lights have violet, but like a reef, the, the, uh, of all things, the Red Sea reef LED, that has UV. The Metris has UV. The Kessel has UV. Um, you'll often see those who have lights with no UV. The argument is, well, the UV diodes don't last I bet Kessel has something to say about that because theirs do. You and I have Mitris. Oh, here's Remy. Remy. Go. All right. The ball is in uh, Moki's court now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, dude. Not, uh, I did. Ju not just a marathon, an Ironman. <laughs> I did an Ironman once. It took me 16 hours, and it was the most enjoyable experience ever. I got a lot of fun for my money, but whatever. Um <sighs> Some lights do have UV, and that UV, 385 for you and me with our Metris, that does penetrate to the corals. It's there. It's measurable because I measured it from the bottom of the tank through my nasty frag tank. But does it I, – I have no idea if it helps health. Uh, I don't care right now. If it turns out that we receive data that supports coral health with 350 to 400 nanometer UV, then I'll absolutely care. But right now I don't care. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It uh, it just seems like it's been uh, a very debatable topic um, the last uh, year or so. And uh, but I'm I'm um, I'm definitely you know curious to kind of see what more if, if if we can get more data on that and and, and do some kind of side by side um, testing. That would be pretty cool. But it's you know you're talking about a lot yeah. of money. You're talking about um, you know having a controlled uh, environment set up and doing some very specific testing and it's a lot, you know, I think, yeah, it, you know, the whole reef keeping hobby, there's just so many different types of experiments and you mentioned BRS and that they've just done some great things in, in terms of educating reef keepers. And they've done a lot of those types of, totally. um, you know, types of tests. It's um, so, you know, hopefully um, they've got more coming down the pike and, and hopefully there's others out there too, that have <laughs> the resources to do, you know, do that sort of thing. I'm looking to see what uh, what BRS evolves into, right? They're totally in an evolution stage right now, and I want to see what happens. I want to see who they bring in, what talent they bring in, uh, what testing they're going to chase with uh, Randy's departure. Yeah. 
All right, so Remy is asking you, um, Jim, what's your current favorite reef bum? Current favorite coral in Jim's care? Oh, okay, what's your current? What's your current favorite coral? Current, my my current favorite. So uh, before the evil that I I, I caught in uh, late 2020, early oh, yeah, 2021, we talk about that. some sort yeah. of some sort of bacterial event. I think that's what I've got to narrow down to. Um, prior to that, I had the I had the uh, oh crap oh cherry bomb yeah awesome uh, dead dead Disney and a green tenuous I also had a blue tenuous that I lost and I've not gotten back yet but those three the green tenuous the Disney and the cherry bomb uh, I lost them along with a uh, whatever a uh, uh, home wrecker that Lynn had given me and a whole bunch of other things almost all acros died. Mm. Except for Remy's stupid nub that I brought back in my motorhome when I met him in a parking lot, which wasn't shady at all. No, not at all. That thing, not at all. And that thing, you know, hey, what are you boys doing? Uh, uh, this guy who I've met for the first time ever just gave me an animal in a box. Um, <laughs> and my daughter's getting a cheeseburger. Do you mind? Um I think those three have historically been my favorites. I've got them back because I'm, I mean, you know, you, you see what I'm posting. I'm giving away corals. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't charge for my corals. Um, Are you at least trading and, dude? And then, well, sometimes I, I mean, there's one I just posted recently where I was, I gave corals for bacon. Uh, the beer I'm drinking tonight actually shows. So what I do is I put corals in a cooler. And whatever shows up in my cooler outside when I go to get it is cool, right? So if somebody brings me beer, awesome. There was a steak in my cooler one day. Wow, a lot um, of community, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, right? So I don't ask. Sometimes corals end up in my cooler. It's sort of a, a mystery grab bag of who knows what the hell is going to show up. But that has worked out pretty well. I like that. Um but I gave away that cherry bomb and that Disney and a green tenuous. And then dudes like, yeah, I'm out. This guy Chevy, he's out <laughs> and he's shutting everything down. He's like, come and get all your corals back. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I think those three, the th that three amigos, at some point, maybe I'll get that blue tenuous back. So super long story, Remy. Sorry. But uh, yeah, I think those three are my Mokey, favorite. Uh, Mokey, oh, uh, Mokey stepped it up. Guess what? I'm still here for this ultra marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, those two guys uh, i mean you i think you've had them both on they're awesome you oh know. yeah it's a lot of fun i think uh, all you guys are, are fantastic and uh different perspectives it's so cool to uh to have all the yep. uh different points of view um so david waters i should ask what light would jim choose if price didn't matter for sps do you have a go-to light <clears throat> So I haven't tested everything, right? I'm really interested in, I want to see the ATIs because I think they're beautiful. And ATI has to do something because there will soon come a day before 2030 that there are no more T5s, right? So ATI has to do something to stay relevant. And I think they continued to evolve their LED designs to give that to us. So I'm looking forward to playing with that ATI. That wasn't tested. I've tested Demetrius. You didn't see that on BRS. That was a, that's also a good light. You know this. The differences between the the top shelf lights, right? So the Sky and the XR30s and the Mitris and whatever, anything else that's in that now 950 price range, which is just stupid. They're all good and they all kind of do the same thing. If I was doing something for me, 
I think I might go simplistic. So I might just go over the 93 just bars because then I can get myself the exact spectrum mm. I want, which is something very similar to uh, ATI Blue Plus. And then just that's it. Then I my fish are going to be pissed. So maybe I got to figure out how to uh, install something that ramps so I can wake them up a little bit, then turn on the lights. I think um, me personally, I think I'm going backwards. So I'm moving away from Wi-Fi lights. Mm. I'm moving away from uh, super expensive lighting. And I want to go more towards I'm chasing actually what you do, Keith, with Metal Halide. I'm going for that simplistic approach where I'm just going to turn on my damn lights and my corals are going to be happy. Yeah, you know, the uh, it, it, it is so true. I mean, I was um, certainly confused to say the least when i started using the um the leds not not because the meters are hard to figure out but um just mm -hmm. because there's so many different options in terms of spectrum and and intensity and and uh right the halides or t5s it's plug and play but with the leds yep. there's just all these different light schedules that are out there and people are, oh you got to use this one and this one rocks and this is the one that this guy is using who's growing corals like crazy and um so it's con it was confusing to me, you know, and B, you've got to like turn, uh, you know, I've got six lights and I've got to, each one of them, I got to turn from the, um, you know, into photo mode when I want to take video or pictures, you know, it's, you do. it's a pain <laughs> yeah, in the do. ass, man. You know, it's like. You do because they like to flicker, <laughs> right? Some lights flicker. Yeah. So that's a pain in the ass. But um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I forgot what my, my whole train of thought here, but um, I think. Uh, See, I went simplistic. I'm, I'm looking right, for right, right, right. So what, what I was going to say to you, man, is like you like tall tanks, then you might have to do like uh, halides because you know I, I think um, that's what the public aquariums are still kind of sticking with the halides is because of the whole penetration issue. But um, the mitras might, you know, my mitras though are cranking out the par, and and yeah, you know they they're I've got a lot more par with the mitras than I do with my halides, and my my par mm -hmm. range is like between. 300 at the bottom 350 at the bottom to like 500 at the top and under my uh, halides that's a 20 inch tall tank and the halides in my 24 yep. inch tall tank you know the par is like 200 to like 350 so i'm i'm i think yeah and that's without lenses right the metris doesn't have lenses right they're powerful little suckers. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, they're all kind of the same, right? So you see those lights that are generally the relatively the same wattage. They're all putting out basically the same par. Um, but Amitris does a pretty good job without lenses. And yeah, great spread, good color. Um, so a couple of other uh, questions here for you, Jim. Uh, great bearded reef. Paul's asking possible to chat about solar on the reef. He said that you had a video on that in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I do do solar. So what I did is I, I put up and I want to do more. Actually, I was just talking about that with my wife yesterday, day before, whatever. I've got 400 watts of panel up on my roof. Hmm. Um, and, and I just climbed up there and I put them up there because you can buy those things from Amazon. Then I've got an MPP solar charge controller slash ATS slash inverter. So uh, it's like uh, it's like a UPS that you buy at Staples, except I've got solar connected to it. And the battery inside are now lithium iron phosphates. Um, ultimately, it's used for my backup. So what happens is during the day, the tank runs off of batteries because the solar is feeding cool. the batteries. And then at, at night, because now my batteries are charged up at the end of the day, 
now that's my UPS. So that covers, and because I have enough batteries, my heater's on that as well. Um, that is my backup source. Now I also have it configured so I could hook up a generator. Last resort, I'm plugging the Tesla into uh, the system to give me the, the power from the big battery out of the car. So uh, I go a little, look, I know I'm a little overpowered, <laughs> a little overboard on my backup solutions. Um, but I think solar, especially DIY solar, if you happen to be able to access your roof or you have a shed or something like that, it's so easy to do. And then all you're doing is adding more batteries. So the more at more batteries, the magic is in the battery. So lithium iron phosphate. So the more batteries you add, the more backup you have, the more the 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 less likelihood you have of a power failure. So that's that's your um, power backup essentially is uh, utilizing the solar. Yeah. Yeah, three phase. So batteries first, that gives me time to react. Then I come home and I get the generator out. I've got, well, there's four phases, I suppose. I could go get the RV. But <laughs> there is the there's the, the generator that's in the garage. I have another portable generator in the RV that I could go get. And then last result is I hook an inverter up to the Tesla off of the 12 volt battery that's fed by the big battery. And then I, I void my warranty, but whatever my, my critters <laughs> stay alive. Um, are you, so you're using a gas portable gas generator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my secondary. So, so what solar gets me solar. Go ahead. My question was what, how long can your uh, tanks be on auxiliary power during an outage? Depends on season and house temperature, right? If I'm during the summer, it's super easy because my heater's not running. And I'm just running a fan. So I'm moving all the power heads. I'm moving the return pump. Everything's connected to that. Uh, and I can go for whatever. It's a decent period of time because of the batteries. Batteries continue to get cheaper. How, how long? You can get a how long can, uh, you can get a hundred amp hour battery for three hundred bucks. How long can you go? I don't know. No. I haven't done days? it. Days? Um no, not days. I'm gonna go hours because no. I just need that to react. I just what I need and it's only gonna happen when I'm gone, right? So I need time to be able to call my neighbor, call my daughter, call whoever to come over and plug the generator into this and this. What you need to do is you have, you have to have it set up so you could very easily transition to your emergency power if you don't have emergency power on the house. Because you need to be able to call, you know, back to being dumb and being able to grow SPS, you need to be able to call your dumbest neighbor and say, <laughs> go get this, pull the string a couple times until noise is made, and then plug stuff in. Well, you need a transfer so, switch set up, basically, so you just well, plug, if, yeah. Yeah, if you had a transfer switch and an auto-starting generator and you want to spend that kind of money, yes, that's an awesome solution. Well, you don't even need an auto-starting generator. I mean, all you need is a, um, you know, a pull gas-powered generator and a transfer switch, and you just plug it into that um, outlet that's hooked into that transfer switch, and then boom, you flip it, right? Agreed. Yeah. Something is simple. It needs to be simple, and it needs to be when you're not having a power outage, right? I mean, you need to think ahead. If you're going to spend $900 on an effing light, you should probably have a generator. Yeah, you know, um, one thing that... So I've got two generators. I've got a full house backup automatic generator. And, and, and that, yep, um, you know, that could, that could get me like, um, up to four or five days. It's, it's hooked into a, um, hundred pound propane tank. Um, yep. but I also have another portable generator. It's a propane portable generator from Generac. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing because that can go two to three days. So, you know, and off a 20 pound tank or something, hundred pound tank, 
100 pound tank. tank. Okay. And I've yep. got that. Because a lot of people will hook theirs at 20 pounds and they're only going to get like 12 hours yeah, out of it. No, and they don't, yeah. they don't think about yeah. that. So, uh, you know, what I would say to you, if, if you have the um, ability to get a, um, a propane hookup to, uh, to do that, you can get days out of that if you, if you, because yep. um, I, Basically, the um, there was a major issue during Superstorm Sandy with the gas crisis, right? You could not get gasoline, yeah. but you could get propane, yep. I guess. So, um, mm -hmm. and um, I don't think a lot of people have portable propane generators. I feel like I'm one of the very, very few that has one of those things, and they're great because they run I, clean. I don't get it. It's easy to modify, right? If you have a Honda, even if you have a WEN, I mean, there are companies out there that make conversion kits to convert your gas to, so you can go dual gas if you need to. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it makes complete sense to me because if if you um if you you know spend a little extra money, you get that propane hookup and you get a large propane tank, you can run your tank for days on that sort of setup. Yep. And all you have to do is just have somebody or you, you know, flip that switch in terms of it's not going to be automatic, but at least you're not going to not going to have to be filling up the gas tank every uh, seven or eight hours. Yeah, agreed. Do you have propane? I'm sorry. Do you have propane or natural gas for uh, furnace? Um, so we've, we've got um, um, oil furnace, but we have propane okay. feeding the um, the um, um, the range, the uh, the cooktop. So yeah, so we had that already set up, and we weren't using a lot of propane, so it was um, kind of a no-brainer to tap into that because we had a hundred-gallon tank already with the house. So we tapped into that, and then okay. we added an additional hundred-gallon tank because uh, you know I'm nuts and I'm a reef keeper and I need to uh, <laughs> have that. Because I was, I was thinking about like um, like Texas people a couple or last year when they had the problem. If you, it doesn't take much at all. If you can get natural gas fed, I know they're mm. having a problem with that too. Yeah. But if it doesn't take much electricity at all to run a natural gas furnace, so then you can heat your house and you keep your tank warm. You're warm. Everybody's happy. You just got to be in a position to be able to power your tank and your furnace if you have yeah. that capability during the winter. Yeah. Um, and then fans during the summer. So um, just taking a look at some of the chat comments here and questions russell adams jim what do you think about how companies market their products you had issues with the sky uh, it all comes back for me it comes back to uv i what i had was a uh, an nsi member locally telling me swearing up and down that that i had uv and i was like that's bullshit because i can see the graph that neptune posted on their site not to bash neptune that's not my goal here my goal is accurate marketing from all vendors. I don't necessarily, I don't care who that vendor is. It's important to me that marketing is accurate. I don't know why I'm just old man, grandpa about that. Um, the sky does not have a UV diode. And then they, I mean, Terrence went into this stream that tried to explain away the UV thing. The light itself doesn't suck. And I know that pisses people off when I say that, but there's so many lights out there that don't suck that they'll absolutely grow coral. The sky is – it's a nice light. It's like I've already talked about. It. it looks nice. It's easy to set up. It doesn't suck and it will grow coral. Just market it accurately. Instead of calling it UV, call it violet because that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, I hear you. Um, uh, going back to the uh, solar question, um, TSG610 is asking, Jim, do you have a brand of batteries that you suggest for do-it-yourself solar? Uh, anything from Ali E. So uh, actually if um, – 
Well, we'll see. I, I like building my own, but maybe if I can get good deals from AliExpress, then I'll buy one. What you need to look out for uh, actually, you don't need to look out for this because there's a there's a cold temp charging limit thing. If you have lithium iron phosphate, you can't charge it if it's cold because it'll damage the cells. That's mainly for RV use. Uh, you can kind of you can build your own. Rob in here actually built his. I think he was building his own 280 amp hour pack. You could buy four cells. You could probably do that for 600 bucks with a uh, a BMS, a battery management system. At 280 amp hours is a significant amount of storage. Yeah. If you build two of those for 1,200 bucks, you have a hell of a lot of battery to last you a long time. I think I'm sitting downstairs right now about 150 amp hours. But there are so many good manufacturers. Actually, Will Prouse, if I may. I mean, this dude doesn't know me at all, but there's a YouTuber named Will Prouse who has built himself a pretty decent fortune on battery mm. videos uh, along with automatic transfer switches, solar charge controllers. If you want to learn anything about that kind of stuff, because that's where I went to learn, go check out Will's videos. He'll walk you through everything you need to know from incredibly expensive systems all the way down to DIY and then somewhere in the middle. And he's got a good website with, uh, with links to take you to those, to those batteries, those packs, those ATSs, those automatic transfer switches, sorry, cool. uh, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Cool. Yeah, watch Will. It's right there. Mark said it. Oh, watch. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, yep. I don't know what's going on with the uh, Remy and Moki, man. They've been pretty quiet here. I, uh, I haven't seen any of the uh, super chat wars going they're, on. But. They're hugging it out. They got together. <laughs> what, right now, they're just super chatting each other. <laughs> I don't know, dude. We, uh, we've talked a lot about a, a lot of uh, different stuff. Any, uh, anything else you wanted to uh, talk about tonight or? Anything else? Well, I talked about that leaf, that that light bright that uh, that you have. That's freaking beautiful. Uh, last week's stream was amazing, and I had a really good time <laughs> watching that. That was a lot of fun. Actually, I was watching that while driving uh, back last week from the RV trip. We talked about Mitris. That was in my notes. I liked that uh, you're seeing the growth that you're seeing. I still want to understand like your 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 what you do in that tank because that that's a relatively new tank and it's growing like freaking crazy yeah. so i think you got you got something magic going on there and i like it not everything's growing crazy not everything's growing like but no. um you know there certain pieces are like just going you know crazy and and um but it's good but that's a cool series right you take a, you take from the ground up you go like here's a dry tank whatever and then you talk about your lights and you talk about what you did and talk about the challenges I like that series. That's Thanks, a good man. Series. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I got to take some more, uh, <coughs> you know, progression uh, shots and and um, you know, kind of see what's going on. But I got I got actually a couple of corals now that are starting to like you know touch one another. So I didn't think I would have that problem this early on with the uh, with the tank. So yeah, it's a good problem to have. Okay. But um, you know, crap happens. You know, it's not always um, yep. rosy in terms of um, you know stuff and 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 things pop up. But um, Hey, it's a journey, right, man? It's it's there's um, there's totally. a lot of uh, trip wires out there in terms of reef keeping, and you got to always be on your toes. It's like complacency is like freaking ah, Remy, our <laughs> two dollars and one cents. <laughs> <laughs> super chat should be called. Where you at, Moki? Melanie Simpson, thank you very much for the super chat. Great stream, great guest. <laughs> All right, this is uh, this is getting a little too kooky, but. Um, 
Have you, uh, last thing, so if you don't mind, have you played with uh, these DIY? No, I have not. I, I saw Moki had from I, uh, from Clavin. I saw Moki had that uh, in yeah. one of his uh, video. What do, you th- what do you think about those? Yeah, these are fantastic. I don't, you have a 3D printer? No. Okay. So if you got a buddy with a 3D printer, these things are fantastic. Um, I like these little things. They print single sheet. And then they just sort of snap together, and you drop that sucker in um, a frag cup. Yeah, cool. Or a or a bag, and it's totally stable. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Do you think there's enough uh, water in the uh, specimen cups? I know um, I used to use them to ship frags, and and um, yep, you know, there's not a lot of water in them, and and um, but I think the also the other good thing about specimen cups is that um, I would assume that they would retain the water temperature better than a poly bag. I don't know. I'm all about bag because I can get a little more water in yeah. there. I feel better if there's more water. And then Me I can too. still use the same doohickey you can use that with the bag. Use bag. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Chris has a, a, a four-sided one to protect the frag that's inside there if you're using it. But I just use this one. This, like if somebody's driving down a road, these are cool. Yeah, they are. If you're not, if you're not, I mean, shipping's cool in these two, but really, if it's somebody close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes total well. sense. Zenith uh, reef keeping, but this is more money, right? I like bags with with heat sealed. I do, um, <clears throat> I do double four millimeter poly bags that are heat yep. sealed, um, and it yep. seems to work out pretty well. Uh, Zenith uh, reef keeping, thank mm-hmm. you. Hello, guys. Hey, Keith. Hope all is well. Got my box from you. Was super super happy with the new frags. Yeah, psyched. I'm watching. I'm watching your live sales. I'm just waiting. You go ahead. You throw a light. You throw a light bright up there. I uh, I might. I might. Uh, I might have the first ever light bright frag that I uh, sell will be on my live sale. I'm I'm, I'm, might, I'm probably gonna do another live sale uh, in um, in May. Holy smokes, Carlos okay. twenty three. Thank you so much for that very generous super chat. They go low, I go high. <laughs> You know what? Carlos wins is Carlos. Actually, Carlos was incredibly helpful with me when I was having my challenges with the evil. He's the one that came in with what um, what bacterial products to dose the tank based on his experience. He was incredibly helpful. So uh, thank you. Carlos. What, uh, so what 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 did you uh, do? Jake Shreve, thank you so much so he- for that super chat. Get these. Get, Carlos is going to have to jump get in. These pe- get, get these peasant chats out of here. Laugh out loud. <laughs> Keep up the awesome work, both of y'all. <laughs> uh, I always forget the other one, but I use Eco Balance, and then there's the one that comes in the little glass thingies that you break uh, off oh, the tip per, and you dip. Perdibio. Perdidio. Uh, no. Oh, no, oh, Carlos will he'll he'll say it. I don't remember the name of it, but it was those two with, I did Cipro first. Okay. And I understand the challenge with Cipro and water disposal and all that. And I don't have a solution for that. Um, wow. Everybody's going yeah, crazy. Yeah, nuts, here. man. Frank um, Aaron, thank you so much. Great stream, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those two, uh, following Cipro, those two products, uh, I believe is what saved my tank. So thank you, Carlos. So you, you think, did you do aquabiomics? Did you do a... Yeah, uh, that's it. Prod bio. Prod bio. Okay. Prod bio. Uh, right. 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 Yeah. There. Did it is. you um, um? Did you do the uh, aquabiomics to kind of get a handle on what was going on, or? So I did. I I did it after the fact because I there were too many changes going on all at once. Like I was like, well, I'm gonna stop all of my trace dosing. I'm going to start water changes. I mixed up everything. I stopped 
uh, I stopped and started all sorts mm. of things. So there's too many changes at once. So what I did once things settled down, then I did an aquabiomics. Um, that was my baseline as far as I'm concerned. That was relatively cleaned out. I didn't have any nitro, zero nitrifying bacteria, which I found very interesting. Huh. Um, yeah, that is interesting. And I can I can share that test with you. It was super weird. Now it's been a while since I've done my last, and I want to grab a couple and and do some do some progressive testing just to see if there are changes from that last one. So, are you continuing to uh, dose bacteria as a um, kind of yeah? Just, uh, why? Uh, because it makes me feel good. I don't have any <laughs> evidence with me. to say, <laughs> right. I don't have any evidence to say it's the right thing to do, but I dose, uh, eco balance every single day. Yeah. I, um, I have been dosing for almost a year now, both the MB seven and the clean from Brightwells, And, um, mm -hmm. you know, listen, things are going well. And, and, uh, and yep. I also, I really like the fact that I don't have to worry about the Cato anymore and, and that's offline yep. and it's just like one less thing to do. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to um, to dose because I gotta shut off the UV and the skimmer for four hours. Are you shutting off your skimmer and UV, or if you're running UV? I don't. No, I don't skim and I don't UV. Holy mackerel, dude! I didn't know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> I, what do you wear? What the, the UV hell? Where the hell are you gonna put a skimmer? The UV, I, you know, where are you gonna put a skimmer in a ten gallon sump? The UV is like you know, not everybody does the UV, but no skimmer, huh? Skimmerless tank. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's in there, but it's just bubbling with air. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have a cap. It just overflows. Uh, you know, so that's another thing I'd like to see more um, information on in terms of the uh, the net benefits of um, bacteria mm -hmm. dosing. I guess you can really dial that in if you wanted to with the aquabiomics in terms of getting, uh, you know, some testing. But uh, it's I think it's tough. I think it's really kind of tough to to, um, to be able to prove that out. but. We're at the and I th who was talking about it? I think I think you got I think Richard was talking about it, right? That we're at the infancy of somebody was talking about it. Maybe it was Jake. I don't know. Somebody was talking about that we're at the infancy of understanding the bacterial colonies yeah. in our tank, right? And ultimately, you're going to get to the point where you got somebody like you with your your tank with your Mitras that tank or whatever all your tanks where here here's a gold standard just like uh ATI Blue Plus here's the gold standard of bacteria here's a guy running a tank that it looks perfect so what's that what's that bacterial colonization look like and how do we mimic that and i think aquabiomics is going to give us that ability to do that so here's all of the data that that dude is is capturing and collating and we'll at some point very soon be able to say, here's what you're looking to do, and then whether they're providing the bacterial products or somebody else is, here's what you got to do to dial that in, much like we do with ICP and Trace. Yeah. Jake's Reef, thank you so much for that super chat. Hey, Jim, did you tell him about the arm hair trick to reduce <laughs> nitrates? The arm hair trick? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Cindy, sorry, because this became a thing. But at one point I was doing a bad advice episode and I <laughs> I was talking about how people with reduced nitrates, it's because the arm hair coalesces. I mean, the nitrates coalesce on arm hair and you need to have one of those gloves like they like the like the vets use with the cows and the horses to be. I able think to Moki's using one of those now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 he totally is. But yeah, it was because arm hair reduces nitrates, and then that took a life of its own for a little while. That was unfortunate. Um, 
Adam Moore, yeah, keeps about to instantly boot Jim from no skimmer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with the with my tank, with my sump, a skimmer doesn't make sense. The next tank with actually Moki has a sump. I'm going to go get that will be big enough for me to run a proper skimmer. And so, I'm looking forward to that. What I, 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 he calls himself the inappropriate reaver and I, I'm calling him, I call bullshit there. <laughs> I'm doing it way wrong. Uh, and I can be slightly successful. I'm looking forward to doing it right. So hold it. Do, what, what, you, do you have any aeration in the sump? Like, what do you mean? So, you know, one advantage of running a skimmer is that you get the good aeration and helps to raise the pH and all that stuff. Is that, um, are you trying to like somehow get that, that aeration in the, uh, in in the tank there somehow, or is that? So it runs, there's one of those eShop. No, is it eShops? Who is it? I don't know. There's a tiny little skimmer in there. I can't remember who makes it. I have a, uh, I have a reef glass, um, little nano skimmer on my, um, a quarantine tank that I run just basically okay. just for aeration. Yeah. It, it, it pulls room air all the yeah. time. I have a, do you have a CO2 meter? I do not. I think everybody should have one. Good idea. I have a CO2 meter that sits right next to my tank. I know my CO2 in my room. I'm pulling in 400 to 600 CO2 air into my skimmer that does absolutely nothing except for bubble in the tank. Yeah. I don't know that it does anything at all, but I also know that my CO2 is low. So. Yeah, good. All right, dude. I think we're gonna. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up. This is a lot of. This is a <laughs> lot of fun, Jim. And uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, we wandered. So uh, you know, Moki and Remy, if you got any last uh, last uh, <laughs> salvos to uh, shoot out there, yeah, here's your last chance. Now, in all seriousness, dude, this is a lot of fun. Any uh, any final words? Any parting words there for the live stream uh, folks out there watching? Just. Thank you very much. Uh, we do this not often enough. I very much appreciate hanging out with you and talking with you. Um, thank you for allowing us all to learn from your experiences. I think it's incredibly valuable. Well, listen, uh, you're a uh, you're a pillar pillar of knowledge yourself, and I think um, you know these um, these shows, these live streams are very educational, and and um, so I think it's a it's a two way thing in terms of that that exchange of information. I think anybody that thinks they know it all. And and have the um you know the um the secrets to all the success in reef keeping is um right. you know not um it, it's there's a there's a lot of different things that you can do in terms of changes things that you can implement to become a better reef keeper. Um, that's not to say that um you know if you've got a methodology that's working that you should be changing that methodology. But I think you got to right. be open to the um to 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 making some changes if you potentially can um, make improvements for the tank. So that's important. Yeah. Agreed. All right. But thanks. Yeah. All right, dude. So we'll, uh, we'll have to uh, reconvene this uh, again uh, very soon. Are you uh, going to be going to any trade shows anytime soon? Nope. Nothing close. I'm thinking about, I would love to see an Aquashella. I think that brings a little bit of art, which appeals to me. I think that brings speakers, which I think is incredibly important. Um, anybody could do a trade show, that kind of thing. How about you? I'm going to be going to the Reef of Palooza in New York in June. I'll Good. be there. And yep. um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be going to the Magna in Milwaukee in September. I've okay. never been to an Aquashella, and, and that might be an interesting yeah. uh, thing to go check out. I would like to do it. I know Moki and uh, Remy have both done that. That looks like a fun show kind of thing. Magna would be awesome. There was one in D.C., but that was before I really got into this. Yeah. And I should have gone, but I didn't. Uh, and I did do a rap once with Moki and Ben and, um, oh, aficionado. 
Richard. Yeah, Richard. I mean, we had a great yeah. time, great dinner. We had a really good time. That was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll run into one another one day, one of these days. Yeah. yeah all right, dude. Good. Well, listen. Thank you so much for uh, for being on the stream, and and I also want to thank all you folks out there. Very generous with the super chats. It was a lot of fun. Totally. <laughs> to see the uh, the volleys go. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, Carlos, man. Wow, that was great. But Oki and. Remy and everybody else that did the super chat, that was uh, that was awesome and great comments and great questions. So thank you. Also want to thank the sponsors, Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine, for supporting the show. And a uh, big thank you to Paul again for being the uh, moderator. Great Bearded Reef, thank you. Um, also want to remind everybody that all episodes of Wrapping with Reef Bomb are now available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. My next live stream will be next Thursday, April 28th. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Joe Capriata from Unique Corals. Going to have him on again. So it should be another great show, another great stream. And if you want to check out the full upcoming schedule for rapping, visit reefbum.com. It's in the YouTube section. Until uh, the next uh, live stream, everybody be safe, be well, and we will see you next time.